Well, I'm Pastor David Dyer. It's my distinct honor and pleasure to be with you today in preaching God's Word. And as we continue in this sermon series uh, of a family chat, um, again, just reminding us that a family chat's not always a bad thing, right? A family chat can be a good thing. It's where the family kind of gets together on the couch and we reorient and we make sure we're all on the same page. Well, this morning, to set the groundwork for our family chat, I want us to hear from God's word in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. And so for those of you that have brought your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. If you've got an iPad or a phone, you want to look that up. version is a a cheap or an inexpensive free um, app for you to use, and you can be looking that up. Again, 2 Chronicles, not Corinthians. Corinthians is in the New Testament. Chronicles... In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles, the first part of our sermon series has been about David as he hands off the kingdom, right? And now the kingdom has been handed off to Solomon, his son. Read along silently with me. Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders in Israel, the heads of families. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to a high place at Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the desert. Now David had brought up the ark of God from Kiriath, Jerim, to a place he had prepared for it because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar that Bezlael, son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. And so Solomon and the assembly inquired of him there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. And that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and you have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, riches, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who has before you ever had and none after you will ever have. Then Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place at Gibeon, from before the tent of meeting. And he reigned over Israel. This is the word. How many of you, upon hearing that, go, I got this figured out? See, I was 10 when this happened for me. Yeah, I was 10. My dad was the head usher at church, and so I got to sit in the back, right? Mom, my twin sisters had to sit in the front row. I was back um, surveying, right? sitting in the back listening to Pastor Spomer. He read this text, and I was like, wait a minute, did he just say that Solomon 
got what he was really after by playing like he wanted wisdom. Let me read that again. And I was going back through there and I was, let me, I got to read that. It was in the bulletin. I thought, man, that dude was already smart. He prayed the desires of his heart and he said, God, I would, I would like to have wisdom. And God's so impressed with Solomon said, well, I'll tell you what, since you didn't ask for riches or the death of your enemies, I'm going to give you all that anyway. And I thought, I got this, the, the jig is up. All you do is you get on your knees and you pray to God what you think God really wants to give you. Because deep down, he still knows the desires of your heart. And he'll probably give you those because, well, because you were so righteous in your prayers. And so I begin to pray to God, God, grant me wisdom to know how to ride a 10-speed bike that I haven't yet gotten that I could have on my 10th birthday. Lord, I ask for wisdom of your word and I would then lead forth on the soccer field. Kind of get what I'm going for? You read this and I wonder if sometimes Christians don't go, so let me get this straight. Here's a kid who's handed the kingdom from his dad He didn't do anything to earn it. He just was born into the family. God picks him to be the new king, and God comes to him at night and says, go ahead, ask me for whatever you want. He's a kid. I don't know many people under the age of 18 that would go, well, Lord, let's see. I, I think wisdom would be good. I don't know any 18-year-olds that are praying. I don't know 40-year-olds that would necessarily pray for that. Most 60 and 80-year-olds go, I already got that. We've lived our life. Here's the issue. It doesn't work that way. God does not work that way. And so today, our little family chat is about what kind of wisdom are we listening to and are we actually seeking godly wisdom? So I'm probably going to step on some toes this morning a little bit. And that's okay. Because a lot of times a family chat is about reorienting ourselves and our lives. It's about saying, wait a minute, who are we listening to? And let me tell you, who you're listening to, it has a huge impact on how you act. Your children will know who you're listening to by how you act and react them. Your co-workers know who you're listening to. Whether it's news, whether it's live TV, whether it's made-for-reality TV, or whether or not you're listening to that 70s station because it just, you know, just harkens you back and you just feel so good going in the morning. Maybe you're an 80s, right? A little bit of 80s rock, and you, oh, you get pumped up for the day, right? Those of you that listen to music in the 90s, you don't work, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, a little bit of music harkens back, right? Puts us in a place that we think, right, this is what's going to come out. But if you'll notice, the words that come out are the words that you've been listening to. 
And so if you've been getting all your news from a certain news station, my guess is, is your worldview on a certain topic is going to sound a lot like the people you listen to. And if you hang out with neighbors who have a certain bent on politics or whatever, my guess is you, you'll probably start to pick up on some of those sounds. My best friend, uh, Pastor Paul Gakey, ha, that dude, he talks about his brother. He says, man, when I call my brother, and this is one of his brothers that's not a pastor. He has another brother that is a pastor, but the brother that's not a pastor, he says, when I talk to him, that dude just talks scripture to me. And he's not even trying. He doesn't even quote it. I mean, he just oozes and drips the word of God. I said, what do you say? He goes, he oozes and drips the word of God. I mean, that is such a visual for me that his brother, when talking, he says he's so filled with God's word that the wisdom that comes out for him just oozes and drips. It's like the sweetest affair, right? I picture eating, right, a cinnamon roll with extra, right, extra uh, on the top, and, and you take a bite, and the icing just... I mean, and now in the beard, I get a second and third eating during the day because it's, it's still there and I, I gotta lick it off. I'll find a pink. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh. When I hear the word oozes and drips, that's how I think of it. This is why in Ezekiel, Ezekiel the prophet talks about taking the word of God and he said, I tasted it and I ate the word of God and it was good. I mean, the picture is, is that he feasted on it. That it nourished his soul. Is that how you view the word of God? Or is reading God's word this laborious exercise? Or is it your parents going, well, you know, it's time to do your devotion. You're like, oh, mom. Or was it, hey, sit down at the dinner table. Your father's going to lead a devotion. Oh, can't we just eat? Or do you long to feast on God's word? This is what I picture when Solomon says in his answer in verse 8, God, you've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in this place. You know how he starts that out? He says, one, this wasn't of my own doing. God, you've placed me here by the blessing of my father. Parents, I want you to understand and understand something very quickly. Your kids will emulate what you do and what you do not do. If you fail to read the word of God on a regular basis, it should not be any wonder that your kids do not hunger and thirst for the word of God. Grandparents, you know this as well. You have limited time, right, with those grandkids and your kids. You, you give the excuse, well, they're busy. You know, they're young and they're trying to come up in the world. And you make excuses for your kids because you love them. But deep down, your heart's broken because you know they're not in the word. They're not gaining wisdom and knowledge. And so Solomon says, Lord, let your promise be to my father 
that you made to him be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth, and so give me wisdom and knowledge. What's the wisdom and knowledge that you're used to hearing? What's the wisdom and knowledge you're used to receiving? This is a very educated group. I know we live monument. We've got great school systems. Our kids are educated. We are educated. We, we have graduated from the Air Force Academy. We have graduated from Oklahoma State University, one of the finest universities in the Midwest, or from some other places like Texas or the Pasha, the Pasha on or something. I don't know. We're smart. We work for defense contractors and for the military, and we do things with satellites and, and telemetry and computers and IT systems. We're smart people. But we have a tendency to feed our soul with the exact same things the world does. The exact same songs exact same shows, the exact same movies, the same magazines, the same blog sites, same news feeds, same Facebook, same Instagram. And we wonder how come our life isn't going in a direction that we think God wants it to go. Let me tell you something. And I've done this before in the last couple of weeks, but this is the image, what I want to sear in your brains, that wisdom and knowledge begin here, on your knees. Wisdom and knowledge begin here on your knees. In humble adoration, which means praise of God, it says, I'm not all that. It says, God, you teach me. It says, I'm not going to stand on my own two feet. It says, I'm not going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. It says, I'm not going to go out west and conquer on my own. No, it begins on your knees that says, God, you have given me this life. It is too great and big for me. Give me wisdom and knowledge. But our pride gets in the way, right? Some of you are skilled at what you do, right? And you're, you're maybe even the best at what you do. There are probably companies that have even told you, we like you, we're gonna hire you. And you, well, I'm paid very well, oh yes. And we're gonna give you a promotion and then we're gonna give you a rank. And you're used to being told by the world, you keep advancing and you keep going up in rank. And the world tells you you're awesome at it. And so eventually what begins to happen is, is you start to believe that I'm the man. Picture Peter, right? Big mouth, loud mouth, disciple Peter. Mr. I got it all, Peter. Mr. Know it all, I'm the rock, Peter. Jesus walking out on the water. Jesus, what are you doing? Hey, come on out here, Peter. Me? To you? walking on the water. I'm, I'm walking over here to Jesus. This is awesome. I'm walking on the water. Dang straight. I'm walking on the water. The scripture says that's when Peter begins to sink. 
because he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And he begins to think about himself, think about his own ways and doing things his own way, his own timing, his own strength. And that is not wisdom or knowledge. Jerry, David, would you come up? Uh, Brett, would you start making your way up here? I've asked some families to come and talk just briefly this morning about their experience with this challenge that happens when the wisdom of the world conflicts with the wisdom of God. And yet, when you narrow it all down, you begin, to, you begin to understand, you begin to hear that God says, look, I've got a plan for you. I need you to follow my wisdom, not the wisdom of the world, not the way of the world. And so the Elsasses, David and Jerry Elsass, uh, to my left, the first couple here. How long have you guys been a family of Christ? Talking to the mic. It should be on. I don't test it. See, we're good. About four years. About four years. All right. And where did you, um, how did you come to Family of Christ? Interesting and story that um, we've spent many years driving past Family of Christ because we live right up the hill and watched it be built, watched it be increased in size. And um, as Jerry said, about four years ago, a little before Thanksgiving, we decided to stop and visit and um, we instantly felt warm and, and comfortable and relaxed and welcome. And then we walked in the sanctuary and my wife who always likes to see a cross on the altar had tears in her eyes when she saw the cross. And then we sat down, a couple minutes later the music started and I got tears in my eyes because hey, it was Mark. And uh, music is, a, is, to me, is a very important part of worship. And uh, we looked at each other about five minutes later and said, this is church home. Okay, so I, make, I want you to understand something, okay? When they came to church, they were looking for a church home. They immediately found a church home. How many of you have been through that struggle, right? You, you've church shopped, you've gone around, and it's hard, right? It's hard to walk in. And sometimes it takes more than just one time. It takes a couple of meetings. It takes a couple of Sundays, a couple of months before you go, this is my home. For the Elsasses, this was home, right? And, and when we're talking about home, um, this is a place where, Jerry, yes, you get fed, um, are you encouraged by people here at church? Um, I've never had church family like I've had it here. Okay, so she's never had a church family like she has one here. People that lift her up, that pray for her, that encourage her, right? And, and you're going, yeah, this is awesome. The, these people belong here, right? I mean, they love God, they love Jesus, they love this community, they love this church. And then a couple of months ago, David, you tell me what? After listening to many sermons from, guess my, who? So it's my fault. <laughs> who are preaching that one of our major duties on this earth is to save the lost souls. And um, God started to put on my heart that I have two sons and four granddaughters. Jerry has only met one of the four, but she's about to meet the other three. And that it was time to go be grandparents and make sure that those four granddaughters, ages about two to about 11, 
know the Lord and know the love of Jesus Christ. And so we're moving to Ohio in about two months to be with those kids. Now, I'm glad they're listening to the word of God. But they're very faithful and very encouraging to me personally. And so it's hard when I hear God go, yep, I've laid it on their heart. Let them go. Send them off well. Because they've heard the word and they're going to follow God's wisdom rather than their own. They wanted to retire here. They have a house here. This is God's, we're near, we're closer to Jesus here in elevation. Okay? You can't get closer to God than here. They love it. You see the point? It's when the heart really, you find out, you're entrenched, you're here, you're solid, and then God goes, hold on, I've got something. Are you listening? I have a different direction for you. I want you to move to Ohio, <laughs> near Canton, where you grew up, where your former students will probably run into you. Who do you think God's going to send to speak into the lives of his sons and granddaughters and probably a lot more people? We'll be sad to see them go, but I appreciate the fact that when you hear God's call, you go. Thank you. Brett? Yes, sir. How long have you known Jesus? Truly known Jesus? No, no. Or we'll how long we'll go I... with the fake no Jesus. <laughs> Let's go, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the church. So... You grew up in the church. Okay. Parochial school, LCMS school, all the way through eighth grade. Okay, LCMS school through eighth grade, raised in the church, in Sunday school, in church pretty much every week, and you, 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 you say, hey, wait a minute, it wasn't until when that I figured out, wait a minute, do I know Jesus? I would have to say it's a journey, and, and there's always a, events that, that change actions. And sometime last year, you did a sermon on dying to self. And that just spoke to me. We talked about it on the way home. We talked about how we're going to put that into our lives. What does that mean to us on a daily basis? And to what you were talking about earlier, it changed what I started listening to. It changed what I started looking at, changed what I started reading. It begs me to dig deeper into Scripture on a daily basis. And to your point... Life's events, last September, I got to the point to where, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, I was driven to my knees because I had nowhere else to go. And that's where things really changed and started just being different for me. So Brett comes to me one morning and says, hey, I've taken to heart the fact that you're talking about dying to yourself. And so I've been reading scripture, asking God to say, what do you want me to know? He says, which is different? which is different from how he's always led his entire life and now being directed and led by God. Explain the peace that comes through that. It is that peace beyond all understanding. Uh, there, there are things that we don't worry about anymore. We know that God has our back. We know that God will provide for us and he will lead us if we listen. That's the biggest lesson from this is he talks to us every day. We choose not to listen. Julie, I didn't ask you to speak. Is this a good change for Brett? 
Yes, it is. And to lead in your family, how God-pleasing that must be. Not that Brett was a dullard, not that he's some jerk, but that he is now somebody that says, God, help me die so that I know what your wisdom and knowledge is and your plan for me. Will you please just show your appreciation for these couples and sharing? So now the practical part is this. You hear that it makes an impact. You hear that there are genuine, real people who are not pastors, right? <laughs> actually read the word of God on a daily basis. It actually enhances and changes. It builds up marriages. It, it changes your view of how you treat family and the things that you are willing to do. For those of you that have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. And I want you to listen to these words. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, it's not up on the screens. I just want you to listen. I want you to hear what God has to say about wisdom and its qualities that are so beneficial. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, for sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. If you're listening to anything but God's word, hear me say this lovingly. You're a fool. And no one likes to be called a fool. No one likes to be thought less of. No one likes to be challenged to go, you don't know me, you don't know my life, you don't know what I'm going through, right? You throw out, you say the word. If there's any, if there's any dig you can give someone that I'll almost guarantee you will get under anyone's skin is you call them a fool. God just dumps it right out there, right in chapter one. <laughs> you know, listen to me. You're a fool. Now, is it about memorizing hours uh, in the day of scripture of God? No, I'm telling you, just be in it. Listen to it. They, they used to make these things, shiny discs, they were called CDs. Okay? Some of you are going, I thought he'd bust out 8-track. Yeah, but this is the audience today. We had no clue what an 8-track is. You can get the Bible on CD, and you can put it in a car. If it still has a CD player. And, and you can get the Word of God spoken to you as you drive. There are even apps out there. You hit play, and it plays through your Bluetooth speakers in your vehicle, the Word of God. You can be saturated with the Word of God. You can take a Bible wherever you go by pulling out your phone. You've got a tablet or a computer. Again, I'm not saying be, I, I know what the fear is. Well, I don't want to be known as a Bible thumper. I don't want to be known as that person that's, well, you know, that starts to talk different. Well, we bless the Lord before we begin to eat. We don't talk like that. Just last night, we're eating dinner as a family. They're like, Dad, your turn to pray. It's not my turn to pray. It's your turn to pray. 
It's not my turn to pray, it's your turn to pray. This is the pastor's house. For crying out loud, would somebody pray for the meal we're thankful for? And ask that dad wouldn't be so angry at the same time. You know, I mean, there's, there's lots to work on. You open the Bible. Today, you turn to chapter 19 because it's the 19th. And you read. You read wisdom. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know what that does for me is it encourages me, it gets me out of my own head, and it realizes that there is a God, there is a creator over all of my life who is guiding every footstep, who has my best intent, which means sometimes he will put a mirror up and go, David, you're missing the point. You're not getting it. You're clueless. Repent. And then he follows it up. He says, you know I love you. You know I forgive you. You know I want what's best for you. And God and I have that conversation every day and I go, I know God. But I don't always want to do what you want me to do. He goes, I know. But I'm telling you, my way is better than your way, David. Do you understand that when I sent my son, I had you in mind? I mean, this is the conversation I have with God, and he uses your name. Do you understand that? He says, I love you, and I sent Jesus for you. And I didn't just send Jesus for you to simply pay for your sin. I did that. But what I also did was I sent my son so that you could live. And I mean live. So that you could live for your families. So that you could live in community. So that you can live in such a way that is God-honoring and God-pleasing. And that guilt and shame of your past, they go away. And then you get to live in the present. And when you live in the present, like John says, right? I came that you may have life and life to the full. That means you can stand up and you can glory in God's wisdom and knowledge. No, you don't sound like a know-it-all. You don't sit there and wag your finger at everybody in your life. But you simply get to stand in God's grace and revel in it. I swear, sometimes after service, we need to leave these two lights on that are, that are hitting me right now. And you need to come stand up here. Because what it literally feels like is that I'm living in the light of Christ. And you know what? You can see everything. I think I got some pit stains going this morning. I'm sweating like a dog up here. I turn sideways, you see the pro. I mean, you, I'm in the light. I got it. But I gotta tell you something. In the light with the word, there's no other place I'd wanna be. My challenge to you is this, that you would live in the grace of Jesus Christ in the light that he has for you, revealed in wisdom and in truth in his holy word. I'll be walking right beside you. Amen. And truly, may this word of the Lord strengthen your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us home. Amen.